Let's pray together, family. Lord, we thank you for this time. Uh, Guide us that we might not focus on what we want to focus on, but focus on uh, the areas that you would lead us in, the things you would have us to grow in, the ways you would like us to understand you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, I, uh, I have a lot of childhood memories, and I'm pretty sure you do too. Childhood memories are uh, pretty cool. I'm not, I'm not talking about those like ones that stand out as bad, you know, like when you got a whooping for taking something. I'm not talking about those childhood memories. All right, we're talking about the good ones. We're talking about those childhood memories when you like were probably in that like I, I can, I'm not a stumbling toddler, so I'm not like, you know, needing all of my parents' help, but I, I can do a little bit. And I, I remember probably being about five or six, and uh, we went and kicked it at this park with my family. And we at the park, and we have our bikes. We are out kicking it. And afterwards, I get exhausted. I'm talking about beyond exhausted. I'm talking about, like, come back and I just remember getting so exhausted that I start throwing a tantrum. I don't even know why I'm tripping. I'm just tripping. I just got attitude. I'm just giving it to people. What? I want a hot dog. You ain't put enough ketchup on it. What? I want some mustard now. You put too much mustard on it. What? Like, I'm just giving it to everybody. And before I knew it, I remember getting like a little bit of a, an approach of my mom. And then I just kind of fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, I was like, Sleep, And I'm not talking about that like you tired. I'm talking about deep rim, like deep crud, slob all the way down. And while this is an interesting story, you've been here before because what happened next is something that we all have gone through where somehow I got picked up, put on my dad's shoulder, taken to the car. Driven home, taken out the car, put in the bed, took off my pajamas, and I don't remember none of that. They have moved me, adjusted me, put me in new clothing, got that slob all up here, got it, you know what I mean? They took care of me, and I was put into a new place, a place of comfort, a place of safety, and a place where I was getting refreshed. Today's gospel message is one that helps us understand that our loving father desires to scoop us up and put us in a place of refreshment, a place of care, a place of grace. We've been going through the book of Ephesians and it's been a a solid book for us, one where God's been showing us that I chose you. I chose you, and in choosing you, I redeem you. That means I'm going to allow you to experience forgiveness. I'm going to cut the ties of your connection to sin. I'm going to make you righteous. I'm going to deliver you from the bondage of sin. I'm going to allow you to be adopted into the family of God. So he chose us. Then he redeemed us, and he says all those things, all those benefits, I'm going to seal it with the Holy Spirit make sure you experience it, to make sure you get it, to make sure it is something that you get a chance to walk in. But then he tells this story of the depths of that journey. 
In chapter two, verses one through three, we get to understand the depth of God's love because we get to understand how sinful we are, how jacked up we are, how how messed up of a people we are, how wrong we can be. And then we start in our verse for today, Ephesians chapter two, starting at verse four. Says, but God, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive all together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But God, but God, but God. That it's like a it's like an about face. It's like a uh it's like a counter to what you expected. It's like um, it's like you going into Little Caesars and you're about to get that hot ready. And they're like $5 for everybody in here. Hot and ready. $5, hot and ready. $5. But you? 30 it's just, it's, just, it's just totally counter to what you expect. And what you expect from a sinful people, a people who look at God and say, no, we have our own desires. We know what we want. We know how to live our own life. Who are you to tell us how to live our own life? And in the midst of that, this God provides us opportunity to say, but no. But no, I'm not going to allow you to continue to walk in that. I'm going to choose you, redeem you, and seal you, and provide you with an opportunity. It says in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Love, love, love. We hear this word love pretty often, but love is an action word. I told you I got a couple of guilty pleasures one of them is when I see like like uh, videos where, you know, people do like parkour and backflips and all types of like, you know, active things. But the other one is like hood shows. Yeah, those don't really go hand in hand. I know. But like like love and hip hop and silly, silly shows like that. It's like a little bit of me that's just I love when people are raw. And there's some reality shows that you like, that was staged, but there's some, some shows where you're like, that's not staged, you're getting the real. And the thing I like about some of these hood shows is that people will say, if you love me, show me. If you love me, then why won't you be committed to me? If you love me, marry me. If you love me, take care of your kid. If you love me, they, love has an action. It's got to be expressed. It can't just be words. It is Real. It is felt. And Jesus, even in these first sentence says, but God, I'm going to do something different than what you expected. I'm going to show you love. And what does love look like? It looks like an abundance of mercy. It looks like riches of mercy. It looks like a God who sees a people who deny him and says, you, I'm going to love you. You, 
I'm going to pour my love out on you. You, I'm going to take you from the road that you were headed on and put you on a road of righteousness. You. And so I think the, the NIV doesn't get it right when they translate it and, and, and don't, don't really give an emphasis to but God because God is saying, no, I'm going to change everything and show you the beauty of my love experienced in my mercy. And so then we go on to verse five. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. This display of love that he would save the dead, that he saved those that were far from him, that he saved those that would reject him. And then he makes us alive, allows us to thrive in him. Grace, though, grace is this 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 interesting term because we don't use grace very often in our normal day, in our normal language. Grace is this concept of unmerited favor. It's this uh, it means that you don't deserve it. It is not something that you should be receiving Unmerited means you are not worthy of it. I'm, I, I try to think of a of a way that the world describes unmerited. And uh, forgive me, but this I, I think it applies to me kind of. Unmerited is seen, at least from a worldly standpoint, when you look at a couple and you know. He ain't supposed to be with her. <laughs> or you look at a couple and you're like, how did she get with him? Huh? What, what? What? Now, now, we, 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 we get it from a worldly standpoint, but I love the beauty of the gospel because the gospel will use anything to allow you to worship the Lord. And so whatever it is that, 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 that rubs you the wrong way, maybe you don't like big ears, maybe you don't like, you know, green teeth, maybe you don't like, you know, short people, tall people, whatever it is that rubs you the wrong way, baby, all it takes is one person to love that in, the, in that person. So all y'all can hate it, but all it takes is one person to say, and that's cute on you. I love that on you. That looks real good on you. You see, God is looking at each and every one of us and says, but you I love. But you, but, but, but you I love. I am going to pour out my riches in mercy on you. And though every aspect of who you were was not attractive, it was not your beauty mindset and uh, attractive nature that drew me to help you. No, actually, it was quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. It was my love seeing you in need of my care. And I'm going to pour my mercy out upon you. You didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. It's unmerited favor, and that's what grace is. And so we get this grace which allows us to be a saved people. Continue with me in verse 6. And he raised us up with him 
and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our, our status has been changed. This is, this is dad carrying you in the house. This is, this is now Jesus being all authority, sitting at the right hand of the throne. So that's not our place. That place is only Christ. But he is our head. We are his body. And so now we are moved into a place of authority as he is the supreme authority. And the beauty of that is you, 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 you got to remember this for two reasons. One, he gives you victory to love, love, love as he loved. You now have the power by the Holy Spirit to love sacrificially. You now used to love only yourself. We used to have our own focus at hand, and now we can love sacrificially. But even previously, as our brother Matthew told us, you also have the ability to now reject Satan. You now also have the blinders taken off, and you can see the lies that Satan is throwing at you. And so when we are moved into this place, when we are raised up with him and seated in heavenly places, it is a spiritual awakening that happens where now Satan can't get over on me like he used to. Don't believe those lies in the same way. Yeah, I still believe some lies, lies, but I'm but I'm growing in uncovering those lies. And God is continuing to renew my mind so I can see them for what they are. My spouse is not my enemy. What I experienced as a child does not have to follow me the rest of my life. I am not in control of my own destiny. You are God. These lies that sometimes can, can, can infiltrate how we think can be exposed. And so in verse 7 it says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The immeasurable riches, my brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Matt asked, what is the like reality, I should probably make sure I'm explaining it correct. What is the heavenly reality as a result of verse 6 taking place? Yeah, yeah. So we're there with Christ, but we're still here on earth. So there's something, there's a concept called like already, meaning that what Christ does happens immediately, but also not yet fully. So it's called like already not yet. And what that means is, is, is um, like, think of your attitude. Like once you began to love Jesus, you, your mind was blown of, man, I'm not supposed to behave the way I used to. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not. I know I can't say what I used to say and treat people the way I used to treat them. I know that. My mind has been renewed right away. That's now you have a heavenly mindset, but there's still a process of sanctification where God grows you to be able to be better in using your tongue and how you approach people. And that's a continual journey. 
The same happens here where we are instantly raised up and seated with Christ. So in a heavenly reality, we are a part of Christ's body. But we've yet to fully experience God's heavenly realm break into this earth and renew all things. So you get this weird thing called peace where even though the world is jacked up, you can have inner peace and be okay. But yet he still uses you and me as peace and change agents to take his peace forth in a world that's still broken. So the already piece of it is that, yep, you already get to experience it fully, but yet still there is this aspect of God growing us and using it until he either returns or says, party's over, inauguration, I'm back to restore all things. I pray that that gave some more clarity. Yeah, yeah. It, it is tough for humans, it's tough for me, to think of heavenly things when I wake up and this body is aching. It's tough to, to but, but what Satan wants us to do is constantly question our position. Heavenly what are you talking about heavenly? You remember how your wife just talked to you last night? You remember how you just dogged her out last night? You remember how dude cut you off in the street? Heavenly. You ain't in heaven. Jesus didn't do. He wants to constantly get us to question our position. And that's a lie. That that is exposed when we become seated with Christ. Amen. Amen. And so in the end, what, what Matt did is not crazy. We are family. This is how we do. We, we chop it up over the scriptures and we want you to be able to grow and thrive in God's word and live it out. So feel free to ask a question if you have it. We just pray that it would be edifying to you and the entire congregation. Verse seven, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Immeasurable riches. And it's found in Christ. There was a um, this past week, somebody came forward, came across my news feed in South Carolina. uh, The largest lottery winning in history. One point five billion dollars. They took the cash settlement, got a little eight hundred and seventy seven million. You know what I'm saying? A little something. But the interesting part is that the person who won, and they remained anonymous, told this aspect of their journey. They said that they went to buy their ticket and someone else was coming by, and they decided to wait, serve them, and let the other person go before them. That the the, the biggest jackpot in history was attained through service. Through service. Mark 10 says this of Jesus Christ. It says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, look, I'm setting you up to experience immeasurable riches. One point five billion can't buy your way out of sin. One point five billion can't take you from death to life. 
1.5 billion can't make you righteous, can't forgive your sin. Immeasurable riches are found in Christ and Christ alone. And so family, this God loves us, pours out his love upon us through his mercy, seats us in the heavenlies with him, allows us to see lies as Satan throws and gives us victory over Satan, models it for us through service. And then verse eight and nine, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For it is by grace you have been saved. The African Bible commentary says this. It says it was planned by God the Father, implemented by God the Son, and is applied to us by God the Holy Spirit. All that we have to do is accept it by faith. Accept it by faith. And this grace, this grace is attributed to people before they are saved. Look at this love that is sent. It is not because we are saved. Then he comes with immeasurable riches. He is bringing this forth so that we would be saved. But God, but God, but God. I have, uh, I've got two illustrations that I hope will just drive these points home. I'm a very uh, uh, active, like my mind thinks about Uh, these scriptures and I I get pictures. I see things as I'm wrestling with God's word. And so um, I I have two illustrations that I hope will bring this concept of grace, this concept of God's mercy lavished upon us home. Uh, The first is is a a, a visual aid. And so if if Christ is a, 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 a drinking glass, you're really thirsty. So this is, this is a, a, a big glass. And Jesus is this, this glass. Then salvation is orange pop. Now, your, your, your issue is that you are a person in need of refreshment. You are hungering. You are thirsting, literally Thirsty to the point of approaching death. And we are a people who are trying to find refreshment in a variety of things. And we are trying to quench this thirst. But the only thirst, the only way it is quenched is through Christ. And so Jesus is our salvation. I know y'all like, is this going to go? How this going to go? We're going to see in a minute. Just, I know, right? Before it fall back, hopefully not. All right, that, that, you, get the, you get the illustration. All right, so <laughs> Jesus is the one who has salvation within him. Like, like salvation cannot be pursued outside of Christ. Christ himself is who we pursue, and that's why we are different than other faiths. We are different than other beliefs. 
We are not simply pursuing an in, a, a thing. We are pursuing Christ himself. And in pursuing Christ, you also receive salvation. But, but imagine this as a straw. You're really thirsty. I know, right? Could y'all imagine if I put like a little rinky-dink straw in there? It had to be something big. The straw is faith. The straw is the means by which you are able to access the salvation still in Christ Jesus. Still in the Lord. It still is in the essence of who he is. But at this moment, there's still a key piece missing. Because as a person who hungers to find uh, to have my soul quenched, this, this thirst that I have, I don't even know this exists. I'm not even aware that this is present. I'm not even seeing this as something that potentially could be nourishing. And all my healthy people, I know Fanta isn't nourishing, but just go along with the illustration. I don't even, I'm not even aware that this is present. And that's where grace comes in. You see, grace, I can't even apply grace myself. I need somebody to put it on for me. Come on, hook me up, Miss Carolyn. You see, grace allows us to visually see that this God is this good. That he is one that desires to quench every hunger and thirst that we have. But you can't put grace on yourself. God comes and puts grace on us. He allows his immeasurable mercy to open our eyes to see that Christ is our salvation and Christ alone. So now my question is, what part do you take credit for? The salvation? Christ? Oh, the grace. Yeah, yeah, you did that on your own. The, the, oh, the, the, the faith. Do you see? We can boast in nothing. We have nothing that we can boast in. We have someone who we can boast of, and it is in Christ and Christ alone. But, but, but what did we bring to the table? Nothing. That's the beauty of grace, that it overwhelms us, that it leads us to a place of, whoa, I want to give you my whole life because I see what you have given and done for me. It's a it's a it's a rich it's a it's an immeasurable rich that I can't even fathom. That you didn't do this for me in my best state, you did it for me in my worst. You did it for us in our worst. Sister Betty? Mm. They won't use the straw and apply their faith yeah. to what's been provided. They're, they've got the faith, they got the grace, they know about the faith. They got the salvation, they got the grace, they know yeah. about the faith. But they're not using it. 
Yeah. It's like dormant. Mm. It's like sitting there, mm-hmm. but they're not using it. Is that why some Christians walk with like miraculous mm. manifestations of his provision and others just mm. don't? Yeah, you know, I'm going to say I don't know. I, what, what I will say is that um, miracles are an expression of God. And what I think Paul is trying to warn us of is, is, um, is when miracles happen, which I am expecting to happen in every single one of your lives, in our lives as a church, that we're going to see some stuff that don't make sense. What? Family restored? What? Son came back? What? Uh, dude got out of jail and look at his life? Like all these things. Uh, what? Living a gospel-centered life with my kids? Like training them up in righteousness? What? Uh, somebody healed? Uh, yeah, I'm expecting some big things. That when these things happen, we won't say that it was our faith that did it. That, 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 that we won't say that our faith was the tool that made it happen. And, we, and, and I think that you and I can agree that when supernatural things or even natural things happen and we start to feel the favor of it, we get a little, 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 little arrogant, a little hype. Oh, that ain't happened for you like it happened for me? Boy, let me show you how to make this happen. Get you a quick prayer journal real quick. Get all you need. We, we, we can begin, there's a temptation as man to begin to take some type of slight ownership for a part of this process, which God says is mine and mine alone. Now your faith needs to be strong. And the Holy Spirit will work in you. And I, as my sister's saying, I'm praying for some miraculous things to happen in the life of this body and the life of believers. And yes, some of us are lazy in our faith. And we need to have a spark. But let us make sure that whatever God does, we don't take credit for what he can do and he alone. Amen? Amen. Sister Sandra? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. So I, I love the beauty of the Bible because you, if you look to one book, you're gonna, um, you, you, will be, you will have a very narrow focus. So when we go through the Gospels, like we went through um, Matthew, what faith looks like in Matthew is very different than what faith looks like in Ephesians. Because in Ephesians, he's dealing with a church a group of people, and he's saying, I want y'all to know how to live as a culture, as a community. As you do life, I'm excited to see y'all thrive. And when you thrive, you know what? One of the things that y'all going to have the potential to do is take credit for what I do. Y'all are going to have the potential to actually celebrate yourselves when I'm the one who gets the glory and glory alone. So, sister, to your point, as we talk about faith, specifically looking in a book of Ephesians, Faith is primarily rooted in something that God is giving you. But as we look in other aspects of the Bible, 
God is also using that tool and that gift that he has given you to say, okay, now, (laughs) go ahead and make that mountain move. I've got some ways that I want you to let your faith have action. Let your faith actually be expressed within humanity. And so uh, in a short sentence, I would say faith is both given and used and expressed by the believer. It is both. And, and, I, and God gives us a full picture of faith as we look throughout the fullness of the scriptures. But this expression, this focus, is, 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 uh, it's not an issue of how do I use my faith. It is an issue primarily of where has my faith come from? The mustering up of me and my ability or from God? Amen. 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 So the second part, and I, I promise I won't take two hours of your time. The second uh, illustration or way that I would love to actually allow us to see what what a tangible expression of a but God experience of a of a of a way that we saw the, the person's life living and then God intercedes and switches it all up and throws his mercy on it uh, is actually to have. Uh, a, a, a bit of a short testimony, so I'm gonna have my brother Ken come up right quick. If we can, if we can wrap up here right quick, brother Ken. Yeah, it's okay to clap for brother Ken. Amen, indeed. Amen, indeed. Uh, we just want to allow the Lord to use our stories to be redemptive in seeing the gospel come to life. Amen? Amen. Thank you for connecting with us, brother, and being real as always. Um, brother, where were you born and, and where were you raised? I was born, I'm sorry, I was born here in Detroit on the east side until um, I was about nine, and then I was moved out to Germany, uh, lived over there until I was about 16. Amen. Amen. And uh, can you describe for us a bit your your family dynamic? Um, I didn't. I grew up in a, a split family, pretty much. Um, after I left Detroit, like I said, my dad was in the military. Um, we went over there for about a year, and then my family split up. My sister came back to the states with my mom. I ended up staying over in Germany with my dad. So uh, it was pretty much me and him for a while. So I didn't have no other outside support. And uh, my dad stayed uh, out in the field a lot, so I was at home a lot by myself, you know, pretty much from 9 through 16. So mm. didn't really have nobody but me. Mm. Mm. And what did that kind of experience kind of teach you or start to make some in, in unhealthy patterns or healthy patterns? Um, at the time, I considered it to be healthy patterns because I was unable to be hurt. So what it did, it was allowed me to just rely on me and only trust me because there was no one around. Mm. So in life, that's how I grew up. So everyone that I met, I kept them at a distance, um, made sure that they didn't come in. You know, as far as being in the military, we moved every three years. Mm. So, um, you know, I just built bridges up to protect myself and never allowing anyone in, including God. So. Mm. Mm. And, and was God... A factor during this season was how did God play into things even in, in this kind of season of life? 
um, I mean, I, before I left Detroit, like I said, my family is a very Christian family, a bunch of uh, pastors and, uh, you know, just elders and things in the church and things. So um, to me, my belief is that their prayers was working over there because as I was in Germany, you know, there was no really Christian belief or anything over there. It wasn't a bunch of churches to go to. You either had Protestant or Catholic, mm. and, you know, and again, there was nobody around making me go to church or anything like that. So... Um, to me, he wasn't really there because I didn't know anything of him. So mm -hmm. I can't say that he was a part of my life at that time, but I knew of him from my childhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, what, and what was some of the practices or uh, methods, methods of coping with life that you began to develop as a result of not really engaging with God at all and being alone? Um, my favorite thing was alcohol. Um, that was my whole life. Every decision I make, every walk I made, everything I did had to have alcohol involved in order for me to make a decision. That was my scapegoat because it took everything away. I had no pains, no worries, no fears, and I didn't have to worry about it the next day. Um, you know, that and uh, keeping myself distanced from everyone. Mm. You know, so it was my own world, me, alcohol, mm. you know, and that's how, that's how it, it was. was for a while. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And how did, how did if, if this is what's taking place, how did God pierce through all of that? How did God begin to even enter into your life and you take him seriously? Um, I believe the military did that for me. Um, after I, I got shot when I was 16, um, all it did was just slow me down. It didn't change my life at all. Mm. It just said that this was just a different part of it. It didn't bring me closer to God or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, it just stopped me from going to the streets as much. When I, like I said, I got back in 16, so it was a different world when I got back. Um, mm -hmm. Over in Germany, during the military, there's not a lot of racism, not a lot of violence, not a lot of that things going on over there. Mm -hmm. So it was a culture shock when I got back to the States and started mingling with people. So it was a lot out there that I didn't know of mm -hmm. and didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was tough. So I joined the military to get away from everybody, hmm. to go back into my lonely state. Um, it didn't solve me for drinking because I used to sneak it on the ship anyway. I was a doc, so I used to hide in my medical bags or whatever. Hmm. Um, but again, it, you know, it was my source of life. That was my strength for hmm. years. Hmm. And uh, I didn't have to answer back. Not to answer back to nobody. To huh? no one. Yeah. So I hid and I ran. Hmm. Hmm. And how did, how did God grab you from that running? I, like I said, sitting out on the back of the ship one day, um, it was pretty dark, and you know, you don't see when there's not no city lights or anything out there. You know, the sky is just like just mm. beautiful. Mm. And um, I just looked back, and I uh, it was like, you know, what have I done with my life? Where is my life leading me? Mm. Um, and I couldn't see anything as far, you know, not just because of the darkness, but all I can see was the light in the skies. Mm. And it was like, well, I'm going to show you what my kingdom's about. Pretty much. Mm. So as I traveled out the Mediterranean Sea and uh, visit places like Israel, um, uh, the Cayman Islands, mm. Egypt, mm. Uh, Russia, places like that, I was able to see through a different islands other than like um, looking through man's eyes. Mm. I started looking through 
maybe uh, Christianized mm. to where I started seeing different religions and seeing where aspects were missing. Mm. And if you're traveling around the world, you look at different religions and cultures and they all have aspects of God, but they're all missing a certain mm. aspect of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And to me, God's like, this is why there's so many different religions because mm. no one wanted to do my word. Mm. They wanted to take parts to yeah, fit yeah. their living mm. other than doing my word. Mm. That's why there's 600 and some million different religions because mm. they take each part, someone took one part to off. change it for their lives mm. and not mine. So I, I've seen that in different, not even just the states, but around the world, how Cultures. his words get distraughted to make different religions and mm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. to my heart, it was like, this is why I got you out here. I know you went through this, but mm. your travels of the world was not to harm you, to mm. separate you like I thought it was, mm. but it was to show you the difference in my kingdom. So, mm. so. Mm. That's why I believe he, he touched me out there on the sea. I started looking at life different. Um, I quit drinking for a while out there. As I was doing this, got into his word, real world, um, mm. you know, good. And, yeah. and so I believe that's when. Amen. Amen. And so then we got a chance to, to start doing life with you. But did, did your... Uh, did God showing you those things just make life easy and it was a, 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 a smooth road from there? No, that was uh, the beginning to the end. But hmm. the new beginning was rougher than the ending hmm. because the sacrifices that you have to make with God is just overwhelming when your whole life from birth you're brought into sin. Hmm. And the understanding to me now, the reason why the old wine sin breaks, if you put, I mean, the, um, yeah, the old wine skin would break if you put new wine in it. Mm. It's just that fact that my whole life I grew up in sin. Mm. So in order for me to stop right then and there, it wasn't going to happen. Mm. You know, I would have mm. just, you know, retaliated and went away, which it did because when I got back from that six-month float, I was happy, wasn't drinking, got back and come to find out that my wife had was living with some other guy with my kids in an apartment, mm. ran my bank account out, lost my car. Mm everything you know and the first thing i was like really this is what happens when you accept god Mm. what i didn't realize is that when you accept god you're going to get attacked Mm. the devil didn't like it especially Mm. him showing me around the world and he attacked me Mm. drinking got worse couldn't keep a family no jobs started doing marijuana you know just lost all sense of everything and for years i was just walking around just lost because now to me God had left me, mm. you know, found and left me. So I was right back where I began. Mm. Um, but that was the attack of the devil. Mm. That's what he wanted me to believe. Mm-hmm. And I fell for it. Mm-hmm. So it was years that I walked around and just lost. Mm. Mm. Say. But God. But God but brought God. me here. <laughs> mm. Come on, man. Come but on. God brought me here. So after years of that traveling around and just lost and, like I said, just not caring, not knowing about love, one of the biggest things that hurt is I never knew what love was. Hmm. I didn't even know how to show it, didn't ever know, uh, until I met Robin. Um, she had enough love to uh, show me that love exists. Hmm. And uh, she had enough love to have the strength to go through my battles hmm. and still be there for me. So, uh, yeah, so meeting her and Moving back, and God told me it was time to change my life. Mm. He moved me back here home to Detroit. Mm. Uh, yeah. Ran across Mac Church. Actually, it was Alex. Mm. Came to our house. Mm. Uh, he met Kenny Moe and said, uh, if 
anybody has a father at home like you had to Kenny or something, I had to meet him. Hmm. Rode his bike from the church and came to the house. Mm. And uh, yeah, life's been changed hmm. since then. So, yeah, he had a big part of it, whether he knows it or not. But just being vulnerable and obedient to God has brought me back to him. So I do want to thank you for that, though, Alex. Because I still would have been sitting at my house just doing nothing. Hmm. Uh, Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 So. I, 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 you won't do this, but I will for a second. So, like, Ken is that type of dude that... uh if if our snow is outside, he's like, we're going to do this for our church. If there's trash on the ground, he's picking it up for our church. Like, he doesn't see things as, like, tasks. He sees it as, well, this is our home. So why, what? This, this is what we do. And so there, when you have that posture, like, there's, there's, it, there's so many things I could list down that he's done uh, in the lives of people in this room, but also for the life of this church that just is expressed through a, a love. And so it's crazy that he's giving you great honor for walking with him. And now, brother, we get to see you live out the fruit of love in our lives. And I would never have thought you could say something like, I didn't know what love was based on the man I've come to know. And seeing what God has done in you, brother. So you are a, a testimony for us all of the but God. <laughs> just, just one more thing. Though, yeah, brother. Me, as far as like you was going to, to the fastings and things like that. Um, one of the biggest things that's also in my heart about that is, you know, God is not going to ask you to fast for things that you're willing to do. Hmm. So. If your first fast is to give up something that's at least on your desk, why are you doing it? Mm. Mm-hmm. If it's not going to hurt you, mm. if it's not going to sacrifice and make you feel uncomfortable, then you're not sacrificing to God. Mm. You're sacrificing to please yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he sees straight through that. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be of God, you have to be, first of all, true to yourself mm. and know who you are because he already knows who you are. Mm. You know, so you're not going to get over on him. So, you know, you need to be true to yourself in order for you to even remotely think that you're being true to God. Mm, mm, so I mm. just want to say, so as you're thinking of your fasting, think of these things because he is watching and he's holding you accountable for these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, let the posture actually be let, sacrificial. Right. Let it be saying. sacrificial. That's why you have to give up everything for mm, him. Mm. And these are ways that you're proving to him. This is your faith and your things that are being proven. Mm. And you work on them daily to reach, like they understand, to reach that goal. You just started this journey, and it would never end until he calls you. Yeah. And that's the beauty of verse, the last verse that we got, which is, sorry, let me read it so I can get it right. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works. The good works are not what you're doing to earn your salvation and the good works are not what you're doing to keep the salvation. The good works are the fruit of being saved. It, fl- it flows out of you. It is not our ticket to heaven. It is our appreciation, thankfulness, and gratitude for what a God has done in grace, faith, and all these things that have made us alive. And so, brother, thank you for being a Uh, a walk-in testimony of... Amen.
and what it means to, to, to be made alive. I was supposed to have a nice, neat bow on that, but all I can say is, man, God is good. God is good. Oh, man, God is good. So family, three things that I didn't even expect. Number one, let them use you. I didn't know anything about the Alex story. And Alex didn't know what would happen by knocking on a door. Like, let them use you, you know? But then also, what does it look like to walk with others in the midst of their but God journey? You probably would have checked with Robin month number one. She'd have been like, ooh, I just got with a crazy man. What is going on? But that, but that love lasted. What does it look like to endure with people while they're on their journey? You know? And then what's it look like for us to realize that, that that's us? That we, we bond in unison with my brother Ken. It, Ken is, Ken's testimony is not greater than ours, and ours is not greater than his. None of us can boast. We boast in Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray, family. Lord, we are so grateful for you. What I would hate is that these different illustrations or examples or whatever, that, Lord, that we would miss, that someone in this room would miss the opportunity to draw from you. That today you can spark a faith in them, but they still have to accept it. They still have to respond. They still have to believe and be willing to hear you speak to them. God, would you do a work where they are grabbed and chosen, but they don't reject you. That Father, they would leave here changed for your glory and your glory alone. God, would you, um, yeah, let anybody who wants to know more of you be willing to come up front and uh, talk to me after service or, or one of our elders. We thank you, Lord, for your grace given unto us, an expression of your love through mercy that is tough for us to receive, but that we want to walk in. It's in your name we pray, Jesus.